0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cyber Security Recruiter Podcast. I've been practicing off-air how to how to pronounce my next guest's uh, last name, so I'm going to do my very best. Hopefully, I'm going to nail it. So, Gustavo Mastriani, welcome to the show. Is that Correct. okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Lovely to have you. I'm just going to do you do you a brief intro. So for everyone listening, Gustavo has extensive experience in technology, networking, and, and, and security. He started off his career all the way back in, in 2006 as an intern at T-Systems. Uh, he then moved on to a network technician, tech leader, at electronic data systems, Then he was a network analyst for Advanta. Then became a telecoms engineer for AES. Then a technology consultant for HP. Then moved on to be a network specialist for NEC. And then he was a lead mobility network engineer for BT. And then a CWNE board advisor for CWNP. Then um, an adjunct instructor for California State University. He was then a CISO for Digital Umbrella, the Advanced Cybersecurity Division of New Charter Technologies. He was then at Apex Technology Management, a new charter technologies company. He eventually progressed to uh, CISO there that originally started off as a network engineer architect and an information security specialist He is at present the co-founder of Mobility Brazil Community He's also a joint facility Simpsons University. That's a current position that uh, that Costardo holds and also I think the role that probably keeps him most busy at the minute is the director of security Programs and CISO at Cyber74. Gustavo, how you doing? Did, did I do okay on the intro? You sounds like you're quite a busy man.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. Thank you, Thomas. Appreciate the introduction. Yes, all of those things kept me quite busy for the past 16 to 17 years. And by the way, thank you for having me here in your podcast. I really appreciate that.
0: Thanks for being here, my friend. It's lovely to, lovely to be chatting to you again and i've done you an intro there Gustavo, but i never think i can do it as well as yourself so we'll probably start where i always like to start is who are you and what have you been up to career-wise and how have you been
1: helping the uh, community sure quick summary of my career i started at as uh as i as you said in turn my my career was always about networking. So when I mean networking, like routers, switches, wireless lane controllers, firewalls, and all of that. So I've been working on organizations that could use my skill sets to do projects, troubleshooting, and all of that. So then I'm or- originally from Brazil. And back in 2017, I moved to the US to work for APEX technology management as a network engineer. And during my first month, I realized that, and I was, not only I realized, but also I was presented with an opportunity to create a cybersecurity division for APEX. And that was the digital umbrella part of my career path. Since then, I've been really focused in cybersecurity, learning, studying, a lot about it. And since I started at Apex and since I started the Cybersecurity Division with Scott Putnam, who was the CEO at Apex, I decided to be to go the career path where it would take me to the CISO role or some kind of a director level role in cybersecurity. So in summary that's my career path and how I did in the past 16, 17 years. But some of the things that I like to do in my day-to-day basis as a director of security programs and, and CISO at Cyber74 is I oversee all of the security programs. So I create them, I implement them, I monitor them, and making sure that I optimize them to match the threat landscape out there and also making sure that we are at the same level as, as the market is, all of the market changes and everything that relates to cybersecurity. Cool. Thank you, Gustavo. There's loads on well, Pat there and
0: thank you for your, for your detailed answer, my friend. So just, would you say you're, you've got a very strong networking background? So do you think someone coming into cybersecurity sh- should approach things differently to how you did? Because you've got such a strong networking background. I'd imagine you're at a, a strong advantage. So, for people listening that have dived straight into security compared to you, do you think different pro- approaches
1: would be advisable? I believe that networking, everyone in cybersecurity should have a very strong foundational knowledge in networking. Why? Because that's how you learn about protocols TCP, UDP, IP. And all of those protocols that we use nowadays, that to me is very important. Of course, along with the the knowledge of different operational systems, such as Windows, Linux, Mac OS, and all of that, but having that ability to understand how the protocol works and the ability to troubleshoot the protocol if the protocol is not working properly, Mm -hmm. that will greatly advance you within your career, within your cybersecurity career. And whenever I perform interviews with candidates that are trying to break into cybersecurity or even they are already in cybersecurity, Mm -hmm. I do ask questions around networking and systems as well. But networking, depending on the level that I'm looking for and the level that the person, the candidate claims that he is at, I will level and choose the right questions and making sure that person has a good understanding of networking and protocols. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Thank- thanks,
0: Gustavo. And I think for everyone listening, I would have known that you was, there's was a decent chance you'd be really wanting that because of your strong networking background. So I think for people listening... If you are interviewing with Gustavo, you certainly know now because he just told you, but <laughs> if you interview with someone with a strong networking background, it's pretty much safe to say they're going to, they're going to be asking some questions around that. It's going to be a passion. They're going to uh, put um, a lot of importance around that when it comes to security. So I think for people preparing for interviews now and listening, uh, always look at, obviously goes without saying, do some recon, do some reconnaissance on the guy or girl that's interviewing you. But if they've got a particular background in a particular area of technology or, or um, security, most definitely make sure your preparation um, caters for that. Cool. So, Gustavo, you've progressed to CISO level. Not everyone does. Can you give me and the listeners some insights, some tips, some help as to why Gustavo got to CISO level and
1: and others, didn't anything that you know now that you wish you knew this time last year? Yeah, of course, you don't born a CISO, right? So you got to learn those skills across a few years of your career. And a few of them that I've learned that I feel that Mm -hmm. were the most important ones to become a CISO and to Mm -hmm. also stay as a CISO is to understand the business drivers and risks for the organization. It's all—it's not all about business, but most of the things are around business. Making sure that you're implementing security controls that will help the business thrive, helps, help the business grow, and, and also ensuring that you're not interfering with the production of that that environment that to say understanding how people process and technology they if you orchestrate those three things together you're going to be able to be successful being a ciso requires a lot of, a lot of soft skills but it also requires you to know to get to have some technical skills technical skills are, are important because then you can at least talk about technical things with your team, but also you have to align those technical skills with your business skills, with your soft skills, so you can create things that will take the organization that you're working for to the next level. Your goal should always be improving the cybersecurity maturity level of your organization, but Mm -hmm. also improving the business as a whole for your organization as well Mm. yeah thank you i was just about to touch upon the communication
0: piece because you you talked about risk you you mentioned the word risk a couple of minutes ago so i would imagine a big part of your job is being able to articulate risk and explain risk to maybe some non-technical people and then you're bridging gaps between technical and and non-technical folks so We talk about communication quite a lot on various different episodes of of the pod, and I can imagine it's a huge part of your job. Is there any kind of situations where that you found yourself in that have have been pretty tricky? And is there any learnings that you've taken there about keeping everyone happy? Yeah.
1: So (laughs) risk, uh, everything in cybersecurity is all about risk, right? So we have Four ways to deal with risk. You ha- you can avoid the risk, you can mitigate the risk, you can transfer the risk, and you can accept the risk. But within those, within that analysis, you, you have to make sure that you also understand your risk ap- appetite and also mm. your risk tolerance.
0: Mm.
1: That that because if you take a lot of risk into one some kind of finding or threat, you have to make sure that how tolerable your business is. So you can choose the best mitigation plan or the best way to deal with that risk. So yes, risk is something that it is in your vocabulary in a daily basis. You have to ensure that you show the pros and cons of that risk to the stakeholders of the organization that you're working for and providing them like a SWOT analysis, right? That Mm -hmm. SWOT analysis is helpful to them To ensure that they understand if there is any kind of an external threats or internal risks, opportunities, and all of those things that helps the stakeholders to take the best decision for the business, for the organization. And remember, you are not, as a CISO, you are not the decision maker, but you are Mm. actually the person who will present the risk analysis and the recommended risk mitigation or the recommended way to deal with that risk and the business owner or the ceo or the board of directors they are going to be the ones who will decide how to move forward specifically for the risk that you're talking about
0: mm. yeah th- thank you mate and you got me thinking, when you said then you mentioned i'm just I was making notes as you were talking. You mentioned your tolerance, your risk appetite. You mentioned, are you, are you just going to accept it, or you need to stamp it out, or you're going to? <laughs> and it's like, it, it just says to me for people listening, like the communication within security is so much about the scoping core, which is about listening. And if someone's got a massive appetite for risk and their budgets are low, then you're probably not going to get too hung up on them not. Fixing everything. Whereas, if the opposite is true, you're going to communicate all findings, and it's just—it's so important to to listen first. and it sounds so simple, but so many people find it hard to listen, <laughs> and it is a skill. Listening is a skill. Like I'm doing this podcast with you now. I'm listening to you. I've mentioned this before, but I'm listening well because you have to communicate well. And it's harder than it than it sounds, Gustavo, isn't it? Sometimes to really to really hold that attention
1: during my my leadership apprentice or let's say, when I was learning a lot about leadership, I saw that if you have a strong listening and presentation skills along with being able to clear communicate with your coworkers, management, client, and vendors, that will take you to the next level. Being able to listen and listen, actually listen and understand and not to listen to rep, to answer or mm. to Get back to the person that you're talking to, but actually listen, understand it, and then have some kind of a discussion. And not only just listen because you have you're having some kind of a conversation. To me, those are the those are very important things. But also, along with that, within an organization, people is also important. So we have to build that company culture where that cybersecurity is ingrained with their daily lives. So being able to transmit that kind of information and also th- that kind of a relationship between the technical side of cybersecurity, the risk side of cybersecurity, into the, the people's lives, that will make your security program more successful. I'm not going to say that can be 100% successful mm. because mm. cybersecurity, is, there's is no such a thing as 100%. There's always going to be some risk that you are going to either avoid or you're either going to transfer it or you're either going to uh, accept or you're going to mitigate. So in life and in cybersecurity, those are the things to me that helped me the most in building my leadership skills and also helping my team and my organization to strive and to be better every single day than they were before. Cool. Cool. Thank you, my friend,
0: mate. Great detailed answer for the listeners. So I do appreciate that. And to start with, the next thing I want to move on to is, I love the fact you're an instructor. There's loads that we can get out of that. It ties in really nicely with the kind of mission and ethos of the pod, which is to facilitate career progression. There's a few things I can talk to you about here in terms of your instructor work, but you're going to be seeing learning patterns and how different people develop and you're going to be seeing some people that progress really quick and some progress slow and some in the middle. When you're teaching people, why do some go quicker than others? Is there any tips or hints you can give me as a listener in how I can learn at a more effective pace, rate, absorb more information, anything like that?
1: I've been a instructor slash professor since 2017. That started when I was being instructor for wireless, engineer, wireless network engineering. And then back in 2021, that's when I started to be a professor in a university to teaching cybersecurity. So to me, I love teaching. I love to give back to the community because I've learned so much in my career that if you dive into the books, if you dive into anything that you do in life, that will help you to achieve whatever you want. To me, that's what is the most exciting thing. And uh, I wanted to give back to the community because I've learned a lot from the networking community and now and I've been learning a lot from the cybersecurity com- communities. People have different ways of learning. I myself, for example, I learn better if I listen and if I read about any kind of concept or theory but if it, it requires me to be in touch with a device, for example, or a switch, a router, a firewall, I need to be hands-on. But if mm. I don't have that, if I don't need to go through that, then listening, a combination of listening and reading the same book and listening to a book, that helps me to better understand what I'm trying to learn. When it comes to students, I would say I always try to gauge the, them during my first two classes mm-hmm. and then i try to ask questions and be more interactive with them mm-hmm. some of them they are not they, some of some students they just like to be there and listen and not ask any questions but whenever you're interacting with them and asking questions or get, giving them the opportunity to get better grades just by answering questions like giving them some incentive that actually gives the ability for them to, okay, let me open up, let me try to ask questions or answer those questions because that's going to be the way that I learn. So to me, different styles, they fall in, into different categories, but I always try to gauge them during my first two classes. And there are different ways that we can you can teach. Some of them, mm-hmm. some of them like to go through the slide deck. Some of them, they like to see, Live action, so doing some kind of labs, quick labs, and so they can understand what's going on. Some of them like to see videos. So again, different ways, but in my classes, when I teach, I usually do a mix of labs and PowerPoints so they can understand, and also some exercises on the whiteboard. I usually, I like to teach on-site. Not that I don't teach remotely, but when I do on site, that gives me the ability to do that those kind of things that I just mentioned.
0: Yeah, cool. Thank you. Just to want to clear something up. You know, when you said you're learning about, so when these switches and routers involved? You need to be hands on. So when you're dealing with hardware itself and stuff like that, you'd want to be hands on. But when you're doing anything else, you'd be more book orientated. About understood that correctly?
1: Yes. If you're Career goal is to be at the management level. There will be very little things that you'd be able to, quote unquote, touch, right? You're not going to be able to do a lot of stuff that you were used to do when you're probably a a technician or an engineer. So it's a different approach. Although you should not be too far away from the weeds because that can get back to you in, in not in a good way. So that balance and it's all about the dichotomy of the balance right so you have to balance you can't be too far away from the weeds but you also can't be too you can't go down in the rabbit hole a lot of times because that's yeah. not your role if you're in at a management position you should understand what's going on at a high level and then be able to distribute or decentralize the command your command. So making sure that you are able to help your the employees that work with you to ensure that they do their job. And uh, whenever you need to delegate something, they are the things that are things are delegated in a way that they understand the purpose of that delegation. So -hmm. they can feel that they are doing something with a going mind and not just say please do this because I told you that's not the way to go. You have to give them a, motive, a, a motivation or and a goal so they can do their best to achieve what, you, what the ultimate goal is. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's such a
0: massive point because if you're instructing a team of SOC analysts or pen testers and you know absolutely nothing about what they do, let's say they make a wicked finding or something happens in relation to triaging some events or whatever it might be. At that point, they're going to be pretty happy, pretty pleased. they have tapped into the sense of purpose. They're doing their job well. They're going to want to have a chat with their boss, their leader, about what they've done. And it's—I th- I think what you said there about getting the balance right—you're not going to be—you're not going to be reverse engineering malware all day long if you're at the very top end of your, of your leadership game. But at the same time, you need to be able to hold a conversation with the technical folks on your team to keep them happy, stimulated, to retain them. So yeah, I think that's a really good point that's uh, that you've made there. Is yeah, a bit, bit of balance. Keep your, and also I think keep you to keep your hand in and keep your hand on the technical knowledge. It's a load of fun. It's a load of it's it's interesting keeping on top of trends and stuff like that. So I just had a little sneak peek back on LinkedIn when you were speaking, then Gustav on your profile at like your certifications. So I wanted to ask you. So if we're talking about leadership and stuff like that. It'd be nice to hear about your CISP. How did you find that? Would you have any tips there for the listeners
1: yeah so for the cssp i studied for four months almost daily after studying for four months a month before my the scheduled date of the exam i started taking practice exams so i took a total of 3200 practice questions Wow. Before I, wa- <laughs> I I went all the way to the exam and I passed. When you're taking the CISSP, you have to take your technical hat and put your management hat because the management level certifications, they are not looking for the right answer. They're looking for the best answer or the most accurate answer for that question. So there's no right or wrong. There's no, in, in cybersecurity, there are different ways that you can mitigate a vulnerability there are Mm -hmm. different ways that you can mitigate a threat so you should the approach of a manager director a CISO should always be what's the best approach what can take give me the outcome that I want Mm -hmm. at using my resources the best way and also not spending a lot of money on it the cost should not be high so that's the mentality of the CISSP. And mm-hmm. by the way, talking about certification, I just passed my CISM, the Certified Information Security Manager. Cool. Uh, Very good. Well it done. Is, it is the same approach <laughs> where you have to think as a manager and not as a engineer. Because yeah. if you think yeah. it as an engineer, you're not going to, to pass the exam. And that took me the same not i would say the pretty much the same amount of the uh, time to study about 3 to 4 months not as many questions i probably took around 1200 questions practice okay. practice questions but my experience throughout this past 5 years plus everything that i do in my work plus the podcasts books mm. videos and everything that i did helped me greatly to feel that I did better on the CISM, I Good. went to the exam, <laughs> let's say less worried about it, less concerned compared yep. to when it was back in 2019 Okay, okay. Cool. cool. for the CISSP.
0: You haven't messed around at all there in terms of preparation. You've really gone to town on the prep. Is, there, is that planned out? Is there certain things you do? Do you commit to a certain amount every time? Do you like push towards the end of it or do you really... What's the best way to approach that to make sure it definitely happens? Because it sounds great in theory, but I think a lot of people probably won't get that part right. Is there any tips you've got in, when it comes to prep above and beyond what you've said?
1: Again, that comes back to how people best learn the materials, right? If you are if you need to take like a training with an instructor... That's that should be the way to go for you. If you have to, if you're able to do self-studying, watching some videos and reading the books and listening to podcasts or listening to audiobooks, those are the, and those are the things that you should do. But mm-hmm. definitely, you should take practice exams. That will help you to understand how the exam, the real exam environment will look like. Mm-hmm. what kind of a questions you should expect so your mindset is already ready to take to answer those questions appropriately of course your you have to prepare yourself to make sure that you don't deviate from your technical mindset to the management mindset so you have to think about do not please do not go back to the technical mindset because you know that if you go, you your answer might be wrong. So mm-hmm. again, the preparation for any kind of a certification exam should be whatever is best for you and how you, you learn better. But definitely, you should have practice exams to be part of it so you're ready for the exam. Cool.
0: So leadership ties into progression really nicely. We've mentioned the importance of, of balance on the leadership side, the communication side, staying in the weed. What do you do, Gustavo, to, to make sure your, your technical in the weed side is still there whilst you're enhancing your, your leadership and keeping your leadership on point? Is it a tough balancing act? And what could we learn from you in that respect?
1: Yes, it. I would, I would say it's not a tough balance, but it's something that you have to balance. What I do that works for me is being on top of all of the, not all of, but at least the the majority of the security news that are out there. So I follow the Hacker News, I follow uh, Blipping Computer, um, I follow Cybersecurity Hub, I I follow CSO Online. So all of those websites that provides you with some, let's call it threat intelligence, Besides, of course, the main ones from the government like US CERT, CISA, M- MSISAC, mm-hmm. all of those, they help you to be on top of the threat landscape out there. And it helps you to dive a bit more into the technical side. So mm-hmm. there's always a, a vulnerability or a threat. There's always a, a, I would say, there's always a report out there. So you can go through the report. You can skim yeah. it through. Go. You can go through the, the sections that are most that most interest you. Sometimes you go through the IOCs and check if there is anything that you have seen before. You can go through the summary of the finding or of the vulnerability. Yeah. But those are the ways that I do to be on top of it. Besides that, I besides being on top on the technical side. I need to make sure that I'm brushing up my leadership skills as well. So listening, learning, and understanding and receiving mentoring from friends and people who are Mm -hmm. at the same level or above me or even at whatever management level because you can learn from different people from different levels, from different skill sets. You can't say no to anyone. You have to say at least to listen. That's where it comes the... The listening skills. You should listen to people. They always have. They will always have something to tell you uh, that you might integrate into your life. That you might use for your life, uh, either at your professional life or or into your personal life. So that dichotomy of balancing the being in the weeds and being a leader. That's where. It's all about. That's what it's all about. Knowing that, how to balance, you're going to be successful. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, mate. And
0: I agree. You can always learn something from everyone. You can learn stuff from people that are more junior than you. You can learn stuff from people that, that are more senior than you. I was going to bring mentors up in about 10, 15 minutes time, but I know we've you mentioned it there, so I'll dive straight in now. So everyone I speak to on this podcast, people that I'm speaking to on the phone all day for. The recruitment activities with my day job as a recruiter they all speak about the importance of mentors people often really heavily link them to their progression how did you get a mentor how helpful has your mentor been? any advice for making the relationship you have with a mentor as good as possible
1: so for me the mentor that i had in the past five years he he was the CEO of Apex and the CEO of Cyber74. And he's now the CISO for New Charter Technologies. His mm-hmm. name is Scott Pannon. He was the one who introduced me and provided me with the opportunity to be part of the of building the cybersecurity division. Mm. So I consider him as a mentor. One of the things that I would tell everyone is for to get if you're willing or wanting to get a mentor. I, I believe it has to be someone that you know someone that you have some mm-hmm. kind of a relationship that's the only thing that I can say I it's easier it get it can get personal when I mean by that is you can be more open you can be you can have you can include things that are part of your life or personal life into your professional life and vice versa so that helps you to get a broader vision and also to be more open to your mentor and then, and also the mentor be more open to you as well. So as I mentioned Scott Button, he I consider him as my mentor and he helped me grow so much within my cybersecurity career and he's still helping me. We he uh, we work together. This is the this is one of the things that I like. It's having that person who have the personal and professional skills Listen to you, provide you with a feedback, and either constructive or positive feedback. Mm-hmm. But also, it's it, he's willing, he or she in this case is he's willing to help me grow my career at a level that I want. So you mentioned about, so if you know them better, probably
0: easier to access them in the first place, and then the conversations can just be more frank and honest. And maybe if. I'm not saying you are Gustavo, but if you're not pulling your way or you're not doing something right, if they know you really well, it's come on, you can do that better. You feel like they can be more honest with you and push you in the right direction easier. Whereas if they don't know you, maybe the relationship's not good enough to have that conversation. Is that is that kind of the general idea of tapping into people? Exactly.
1: So having that kind of a relationship helps you to grow. Helps yeah. your mentor to push you to your tipping point not over it not less not not under it but to mm. your to the best level that you can produce right mm. so that's why having that person that to me was a key for my not successful career but I would say when I mean by that is more of a, I'm still being I'm still on, on my success my career a success so i'm trying mm. to get there mm. but i consider myself fortunate to have him as a mentor and i still believe that having him as a mentor will help me grow more and more yeah cool thank you my friend
0: gustavo a question i always like to ask is as a recruiter juniors think that i can be really helpful to them the god's honest truth in my day job i can't no client's gonna pay my my recruiter fee for a junior, it's just not how it works. They want the best of the best, typically very senior, very specialised skill set within security. So I can't really help juniors in the day job, but what I can do is ask professionals like you for tips on how to break in, how to progress at the junior end of the market. I think the biggest question for juniors is, how do I get that first chance? How do I get that first bit of, Commercial experience? Have you got tips? There'll be people out there listening now that are maybe working a part time job, trying to get in, applying for jobs left and center, they see advertised and they're getting nowhere. They feel like they're banging their head against a brick wall. What advice have you got for them?
1: Well, stand out from the others. That's one thing. What I mean by that is not, don't do what everyone else is doing Mm. out there. Second is have a plan A. Don't have a plan B. Focus your energy on your plan A. Having that energy focused on your plan A will get you there. Don't think about a plan B because that will take the energy from you that you could be putting into your plan A. But on the technical side, I would say for to break into cybersecurity, make a difference within the community, but also make a difference for yourself. Write blogs. Even if you think that the blog or the blog posts are simple, that doesn't matter because you are already doing something that a lot of people are not doing. Write blogs, post, do some write-ups. If, again, even if it's simple ones. Do understand the concepts, understand the foundation, foundations of network and systems. Know protocols, know how they work, because that even if you don't have the opportunity to do lab, if you know how the protocol works, you know how to troubleshoot it, and if you know how to troubleshoot it, you know how to design it. So it's a, it's a, those are things that helps you to build confidence. And again, if you have the opportunity to have to build a lab environment within using your very low cost resources Mm. such as Linux or you can use virtualization in like the Oracle VirtualBox. Mm. You're probably going to have to spend a little bit more money on your laptop or desktop, but everything else can be done in a very cheap or inexpensive way and in a way that you will learn the skill sets that you are willing to. Again, Listening to other people and listening to security podcasts and reading books, eventually you will break in into cybersecurity. That's the way that I think it worked for me. It worked for people that I interviewed. Mm-hmm. And I see that and I'm, t- I'm telling you about my experience with people that I was part of the hiring process where they knew what they were talking about They didn't have the, they just didn't have the opportunity to use network, not network, use security tools within a enterprise environment. Cool. Thank you, mate. So community is great.
0: Makes your resume 3D. Always love that line. It really adds strength and depth to your resume. Obviously, doing blogs and stuff is going to reinforce your knowledge, and also you mentioned about just doing a blog. Just it's true, mate. Just get one started. Like your first blog's not meant to be amazing; it's meant to be your first blog. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's never going to be, um, never going to be perfect. And yes, home lab—that's something. When uh, I had Tim from uh, Pulsar Security, and he talked about the importance of home lo- labs as well is there anywhere we can point one place we can point the listeners to is a soundbite on my profile of Tim talking about home labs have you got any tips for the areas of the internet to visit in terms of building a home lab
1: not that i can f- think of right now but i know that some places that will help you and guide you through it INE TCM security blue lab le- blue level 1 routine level 1 security the CompTIA security plus location what else? As I mentioned, networking skill uh, level, networking skill levels is very helpful. So those are the places that you'd start off. But I can tell you that if you search it on your internet, you're gonna have yeah. a, a lot of uh, information. You there. are, mate. You are. unless you Definitely build your own home, lad. It's just um, such a
0: cool thing to to do. It's so much easier to do these days. You, Gustavo, you mentioned podcasts a few minutes ago. Favorite book, favorite podcast, or or book that's had the biggest impact on your career that can help the listeners? Love this question.
1: So at first, when I mentioned to you that when I started the cybersecurity division, my goal was to become uh, director of CISO level, right? Since then, I started listening to the CISO series podcast and also the Defense Mm -hmm. in Depth podcast. Those two were very helpful to me back in 2018 when I started listening to podcasts so those are those two were the ones who helped me start getting my confidence and my soft skills and learning about the, high, the what a CISO does and how they do it what are where you want to be and how you want to be and how, what you're going to be in the next three to five years so those were the two ones that actually helped me to start my progress within the cybersecurity, my cybersecurity career mate that the reason i'm smiling so because, because you reminded me of me
0: then you, you've got i want to be a CISO. it sounds so obvious but again it's great advice and not everyone will be doing it so it's really good advice listen to the best CISOs in the industry talking on podcasts makes complete sense you're making me smile so much because as a recruiter, and they're not always they're hardly ever cybersecurity recruiters that I'm listening to. I'm listening to recruiters across the world that are the best in the world, that have done it for 30, 40 years. And it gets ridiculous. Like I've got them on in bed when I'm falling asleep. I've got them on in the gym. If i am just got a spare moment, I quickly listen to five minutes. And it makes a huge difference and it rubs off on you. And I think the compound effect of if you walk into the shop, let's say it is you want to be a CISO or let's say you want to be a red see you want to be a soccer listen to the best in your uh, specialism area and and keep doing it because I couldn't agree more it makes a huge difference I know firsthand it works because it's made a big difference to to me in the old days it would have been get in the office she's the best go and sit next to her he's the best Go for a drink in the pub with him after work. That's what it would have been in the old days. Now it's listen to a podcast, but <laughs> it's the same thing. It's that learning through osmosis. It's, mate, that's such a good point. And uh, yeah, mate, thank you, mate. Good, good answer. Are you a book man or are you too busy for books? Is it all podcasts these days? Or?
1: I read a lot of books. I actually listen to a lot of books, right? Okay. Podcasts as well, but I mostly focus right now on my leadership career and progression. Mm. Mm. So I love listening to audiobooks. I listen when I commute from home to work and back or when I'm when I'm running, all of that, or when I'm traveling on work trips and all of that. So I, this is something that I love doing and I've never stopped doing since I started mm. my professional career back in, in 20 years ago, 20, yeah. 25
0: cool. years ago. Yeah, cool. I think another point as well, like, years ago like education and all this information was just preserved for the very very wealthy amongst us and you had to be in that class within society to afford it now in the age of the internet it's all there and i just wonder if sometimes maybe we all some more than others but i just wonder if sometimes we take it for granted because in the age of the internet we've got everything at our fingertips which I can sometimes can be a problem in itself because we don't quite know where to start but there's so much stuff out there now, so much good stuff out there. It's, uh, it's yep. uh, if you're on it, you're energized, you're focused for a sustained period of time. It can you can really really make a difference. So, defensive security learning material I'm just going to help the listeners. I'm on the blue team now. I'm listening to Gustavo, and I'm thinking need some more learning material. Blue team guy, girl.
1: Okay, so if you're willing, if you're on the blue team or you're wanting to go blue team of course blue team level one and level two those are i would say the top certifications that are, it's out there that i do recommend people taking it anything that any threat intelligence that is out there pretty much is going to be defensive on the okay. defensive side because it will teach mm. you what it will tell you what happened you tell you what the vulnerability is and how it was discovered. So at the end of the day, it is focused on the defensive side mostly. There will be some offensive tips in between, but reading those reports, it will help you to understand what the blue level, what the blue team is all about. And of course the CISSP or Security Plus They will take you to the blue team, to the blue side, right? Not to the red side. People feel excited about the offensive team or the red team because it's fun, right? To break into stuff and see how it works and all of that. But again, it's all about what do you want to do? You want to be the the detective? You want to be that cop that will defend organizations or you want to be that person who understand how the blue team side works and try to break into it and try to show the blue team that, Hey, I know you're trying your best to defend that organization, but here is another way that I was able to break into your environment. So Mm -hmm. blue team, I'm on the blue team, but I also need to understand the red team as well and how it works. And with that. Merging those two with the to form the purple team, so we can best approach and perform and do some best detection engineering that will help our clients to be more successful in yeah. their cybersecurity material level. Because yeah. if you know how to break and if you know how to defend, combination those two, a combination of those two things will can improve your detection engineering, can improve your, the, on how you approach security within your clients. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. And Gustavo, it's such a good
0: point. Like I say, you just said that if I'm on the blue team, I need to know the red team. And us say, if the red team was listening, Don't fall into that trap of thinking, I just want to be the best hacker, never mind about the red team. That's not how to be the best hacker. You don't want to be the best hacker that always gets caught by the blue team the minute you start an engagement. And if you don't understand the blue team, you're going to say, yeah, very good. I was going to ask you earlier, and I forgot, so I'll ask you now. Report writing, obviously in your role as a CISO, you're dealing with technical and non-technical stakeholders. Have you got any tips for us, for the listeners in terms of communicating in a written format when it comes to report writing to technical and non-technical people?
1: So for report writing, I still do some presentations because I act as VC so as well for some of our clients. So having three different reports. So the first one is a high level report for the stakeholders, just like with what the finding is and what the recommendation is, that would be like in a security and risk assessment. Mm-hmm. Then you have the full report where it tells you the control family, tells you the security control, it tells you what are the affected devices or affected accounts, what's the recommended action and what's the best practice for that specific security control. Mm-hmm. And also you, and then you have the raw reports, so the, those reports that came out of the tools, right? like NASA's, Pink Castle, or Microsoft Secure Score, all of that. So having that combination of those three helps you to show what the risks are to an organization when they are assessing your environment. Mm. Now, when it comes to, let's say, ongoing reporting, that's where you have a man- some kind of a managed security services provider providing services, security services to you. You have a SOC team providing services to you to me knowing those the high level things that actually matters to the stakeholders as such as how many threats were stopped or also what are what's are all of our endpoints being covered by our security controls such as an EDR or a SIEM solution or OpenXDR yeah. Mm-hmm. also what are the how many vulnerabilities that are out there today and how often are we upgrading and updating those and mitigating those vulnerabilities on the patch management side after, let's say after 30 days that a patch has been released let's say patch Tuesday that was released mm-hmm. yesterday mm-hmm. after 30 days those patches were released what's the percentage of the endpoints that are compliant with those patches? Mm -hmm. Are you at 90%? Are you at 95%? Are you at 80%? So those things helps you to drive your security program and helps you to identify the gaps and take appropriate actions to decrease the risks that those things are imposing to your organization, but also provides you the opportunity to Increase your the ma- your material level by implementing different ways of mitigating the same risk and also improving processes internally to your SOC team or internally to your organization. So those are the things that I like to see when I'm presenting to a client, but also when hmm. I'm receiving those from our internal uh, security team as well. Okay. Thanks. So would you be tailoring the report then for different
0: people that are viewing it? You'd, you'd very much adopt that approach.
1: We try to have a standard uh, reporting, but when if there is any, if the client is regulated by some kind of compliance, such as PCI or CMMC, that it's not a, it's not up out there yet, but it's getting out there, or HIPAA, we try to tailor that the report accordingly not a lot but still we have to provide them with the general state of security and we can add things that are related to hipaa or related to pci or cmmc so they can understand that all right i'm doing well in security in general but i'm also doing well by complying to all of the regulations that i fall under
0: Yeah. Cool. Two more questions, my friend. You're interviewing people. You're involved with the hiring process. What's the biggest thing people do that impresses you? And what's the biggest thing people can do that can just make you go, no?
1: Okay, so no to me, not being humble, not not listening and making sure and also tell when you're is let's say rate yourself well above than you are you actually are just be honest be transparent nobody is perfect yeah so again being humble that's a good thing that you're always going to learn something you might be good at something but mm. you'll always have something to learn even though if you're good at it so being humble and rating yourself according to what you actually know adding or padding your skill sets with mm. nothing does not do any good for you. So those are the things that during interviews, I use those questions to get to know the person who, are, who I'm interviewing. And that helps me to know where the, direc- the direction of the interview is going.
0: Yeah. Teachable, humble, honest about your skill level. Yeah. Yeah, exactly cool and you're in leadership you're in a leadership capacity at the minute you've given quite a bit so far but any additional thoughts that we can leave the listeners with in terms of advice for the more senior guys and girls listening that are in leadership roles now or they're heading that way or they've got a promotion coming up and they want to make sure they get it any tips for that leadership section of the audience
1: knowing that you are not they, they are uh, people will not work for you. You're gonna work for the people. You're going to orchestrate everything to achieve the goal of the organization or the goal mm. of your department. Mm. So, knowing that, you need to understand how you can decentralize the command, right? So, you have to trust the people that you are leading, you have to trust them to do their job. And you have to make sure that they have the proper incentive to do their job properly and also to achieve the same goals that your you and the organization are striving for. Again, don't be a person who because I said to hotels because I said so, because that will not give the your the people that you are leading enough incentive to do their best they have to be there there has to be a culture where they will listen to you and they will understand why they're doing this and what their actions will help how their actions will help the organization to achieve the goal and to be successful that's how you not only keep people motivated but also you can retain those people for longer course you can't retain people forever Mm. but you can retain people for as long as you possibly can and as long as they are deserve deserving to be there and they are Mm. wanting to be there as well Mm. so that's how you nurture that kind of a culture within your organization so those are the things that i've been learned i've learned and i've been implementing within Mm. my within the team and it is being quite su- successful, I would say.
0: Centralize the command. That's a really good way of putting it. That's the, so the culture you're trying to implement is so everyone thinks about decentralize the command. It's a quick, nice, succinct way of putting it. I like <laughs> it. So thanks, my friend. Listen, we've taken over an hour. Is there, have we missed anything? Like, is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't? Or do you think we're okay? Or?
1: Oh, that was awesome. I good love... Good note. I enjoyed I it. Love, yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I've really enjoyed that I prepared myself to be here. I wanted to be humble. I wanted to be as much as helpful as possible and I wanted to ensure that people understand what my vision is and what my understanding of cybersecurity and leadership is mm-hmm. so they can do the same thing if they want to. So, very good.
0: Gustavo thank you for your time my friend lots of helpful advice there in terms of leadership communication listening i love that that you're a chap who's involved with hiring cyber professionals right now and i asked you for hiring tips one of the first things that we talked about again was listening and communication and it is a theme throughout the episodes when it comes to the leaders that i'm having on the pod so Thanks once again, mate. Really enjoyed uh, spending time with you, as always, and uh, I'm sure we'll see each other again soon.